1: Right now on Fast, the Nasdaq and S&P break a three-day losing streak. The Dow slides for a fourth straight day. We'll go inside the surge in semis, the bounce in biotech, and the crumbling in big chunks of the tech market. Plus, Disney on the clock limping into earnings. The stock is down over 30% this year. We'll ask the traders, is it primed for a rebound, or would they rather bet on another entertainment name? And later, Elon Musk says he thinks he can close his deal for Twitter in two to three months. He said he would also reverse the permanent ban on former President Trump. He sounds bullish. So why is the stock not trading the same way? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq Site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Karen Fireman, Guy Adami, and Dan Nathan will join us in just moments. We begin tonight with the destruction of capital rippling through the tech sector. Yes, the Nasdaq finished the day higher for the first time in four sessions. But look under the hood and name after name is crumbling. Here's just three examples from today. Upstart, an AI lending platform cut in half after they cut full year guidance. Carvana announcing that it will lay off 2,500 workers or 12 percent of its workforce. And Peloton falling to an all-time low after reporting a major loss for the quarter. The CEO saying the company is thinly capitalized from Netflix to Uber to PayPal. The list goes on and on. So will the unraveling of the tech trade create a cascading effect beyond the market cap destruction that we have seen in the indices? Tim Seymour, what do you say?
0: Well, we've already seen massive destruction in high multiple tech stocks. And and I think there's a very different story around a lot of tech. You know, we we can talk about semiconductors, which were up 2.6% today. And and these are cash flow rich companies that I think still have robust demand in chips. Um, You know, the fact that you're seeing consumer finance companies um, that were not profitable uh, trading down to this multiple or, you know, actually lack of a multiple because there is no uh, earnings profile is is not a terrible surprise. Uh, We are in a place where while the consumer balance sheet is in great shape, um, it is something that I think people need to be worried about. Those names that are up there on the screens uh, are not big surprises. If you look at the market today, actually, the underperformers were were parts of the real economy, more brick and mortar. I mean, Altria was down big. Uh, Caesars was down big. you know, uh, TJ Maxx was down big. And, and actually, tech and things that have been so oversold were actually up. So I, I think this is a day where at least sentiment was better. I don't think it changes overnight. Um, but I'm not necessarily you know, going to be assessing markets uh, based upon those tech high flyers that already had been crushed.
1: And I don't think that's what we're saying necessarily. I think that we're taking a look at this in in the sense of there's an adjustment going on. And Bank of America actually brought this up, this notion of you know, we have huge multiple contraction. We have major re-ratings in in big swaths of technology that leads to corporations examining their budgets. We're hearing about layoffs now. And what impact does that ultimately have on the consumer, which is such a big part of the economy? And, you know, one individual name, an upstart like after the bell or or, you know, Peloton, Dan, you know, that's nothing. But collectively, uh, this could have a bigger impact.
2: Yeah, right. You know, listen, if we are on the heels of a recession here, we know that these government transfer payments have run out here. We know that consumer credit is very high. We know that the cost of borrowing has gone up dramatically in such a short period of time. So that's the consumer right there. But, Mel, I'd say the knock-on effect for enterprise spending could be huge. If you think about just all of these companies that are retooling we saw Uber Debo was reporting this last night about how they're going to be more focused on profits they're going to be making cuts what does that mean well it could be servers it could be server chips it could be um, ad spending it could be um, you know Microsoft Azure or uh, you know Amazon AWS I mean this is actually the playbook of 22 years ago in the dot com um, aftermath in a way and so um, to me I just think there's a lot of knock on effects that haven't really filtered in we've seen a lot of private tech companies be pretty aggressive right now because the cost of funding has gone up pretty dramatically. I think we're going to start seeing that in the public markets here. And to your point, it's going to have effect on consumers. and It's also going to have effect on enterprise
0: benefits.
1: I mean, big cap technology. Granted, their balance sheets are much different from a lot of the other names that we mentioned at the top, Karen. Um, But but there could be a reexamination of budgets in terms of travel, in terms of ad spending. We've seen that already in terms of ad ad slowdowns um, for some platforms out there. I mean, these are things that haven't necessarily worked through the system, so to speak.
3: Right. I mean, to that point exactly. I look at trade desk tonight, and I don't know where it is right now. Is maybe off uh, a lot. I don't know exactly what happened during the quarter. It was a revenue miss. But I think, you know, to me, that should correlate with Facebook. So it's not fantastic. Um, They have sort of traded somewhat together. So, you know, to the extent that Facebook and Google have underlying elements that, um, you know, are consistent with trade desk business, that's probably not great. But I really do put those two in a very different bucket of, huge, huge cash flow, very cheap valuation, moats around their business. And it's very different than the things that we're seeing announced tonight, like a Roblox, um, you know, where the multiples are just crazy. And they've come down a lot, but even down 75 or 77% today wasn't quite enough for Roblox to be down. So it was down a little bit more after maybe it's I don't know where it rallied to or wherever it is right now. But Those I think of as a very different animal. And so I think that there is even still more room to come out of the super high flyers that maybe they're no longer high flyers, but the multiples are still big because they're not earning any money. So, therefore, I do think that ripple effect you talk about could absolutely happen. That's one maybe saving grace for the Fed. That does happen. And Hmm. wages come down. Labor and employment goes up, wages come down. That's actually helpful to the Fed. I
1: mean, the Fed wants to slow demand down, right? It wants to slow down this activity of the consumer guy. And so maybe they're getting exactly what they want in this implosion within the tech sector.
4: Well, I'll say this at the risk of, of being added. I don't think the oh, Fed knows what it. they want, because six months ago they, wanted, well, six months ago they mm-hmm. wanted inflation. They were begging for it. And we said, be careful what you wish for, because you're going to get it. And now they're trying to flip the other way. So, you know, you just Leon Cooperman came on before between text messages and phone calls. You know, he basically is saying what well, we've been saying for a while. They have lack credibility, and I'm with them on that for sure. So when you say what does the Fed want, no, they don't know what they want. And quite frankly, tomorrow's CPI number, I don't think they know what they want in terms of that either. I think below 8.3%. I think the market has a knee-jerk reaction to the upside. I think that's a bear market rally above 8.5%. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'll say this in terms of Karen's point. She's right. So many of these stocks, you can make a very compelling case on valuation. But these names, um, more than many, were the beneficiary of this passive investing trend that's taken the market by storm over the last five years. They just went up because the money flows to a large part. They could be, uh, the flip side of that coin is if passive becomes active, it ain't going to be active on the way up. It'll be active on the way down. And we're on the precipice of potentially something exactly like that.
1: Yeah, we've, we've seen that. So we've seen that already to some extent. And Tim, you were mentioning today on, on our conference call, which we have at 1230 Eastern time every day, um, that yes, you're worried a little bit about the consumer. We we always make the case that the consumer is very strong, but they've actually been levering up a little bit more. The number of credit card accounts that were opened in the yeah. first quarter hit a record, according to the most recent um, Federal, uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York uh, survey out there. So we know that they could yes. be crushed a little bit in terms of rising rates.
0: And aggregate credit uh, in terms of consumer credit card debt is, is possibly on, about to be a record after uh, 8.3 billion was paid down during the COVID dynamic, which had people in, unable to spend. Um, so if you're th- talking about APRs that were you know, 14, 15, and they're going to 19, 20, and, and that actually you then have balloon payments and, and obviously penalties. Uh, look, right now the consumer's balance sheet is in great shape. Corporate balance sheets are in great shape. But to think about at least where revolvers are and credit card debt and even home equity lines, uh, money is a lot more expensive for consumers. You have pulled forward already a lot of demand. I think it's important that we look at this. Uh, and I think, you know, market uh, want I, I think a faster fed reaction than they're getting and if you look at today uh, we actually had fed fed governor Meister on the tape somewhere you know late morning uh, and really this did change the complexion of the market for a couple day for a couple hours before uh, markets recovered but basically wanting to leave all her options on the table um, that 75 could still be in the cards and I, I look I think markets want a very aggressive fed and possibly a deep recession that hopefully is shallow uh, excuse me is hopefully short, not shallow. Uh, And I think that's really the dynamic for markets here. But yes, the consumer is someone that I think we we have a a lot of faith in now, but be careful.
1: So Tim is saying that the markets want the Fed to act decisively and quickly, Karen. So in that vein, if CPI came in hotter than expected, do you think the markets would would actually go higher?
3: Um, Because the Fed would be perceived to be on it. And um, no, I think I think this Fed today, uh, Tim talks about Mester twice, two different times. She was out today very, very hawkish, including saying we have to be selling our MBS, which is going to make housing more expensive. Right. Getting a loan will be more expensive. And so be it that that ends up putting a chill on the housing market. She, You know that it doesn't matter. They have to address inflation. So if it's hot, I think that actually will be a negative because. They will have to do something more. They either will have to change course and, and do the 75 that, that Powell said he wouldn't do, um, or we know that they're going to be, you know, just doing 50s more longer. I think cooling is better in general because it'll be, they're working. I don't think they'll pull the, um, I don't think they will, um, you know, pull back if it starts to cool, because we got a long way to go to get to an inflation number that's comfortable, mm-hmm. a long yeah. way.
1: Let's get back to tech here, bringing in longtime tech investor known for his early stakes in Pinterest, Airbnb and DraftKings. Rick Heitzman is founder and partner at Firstmark Capital, friend of the show. Rick, always great to see you.
5: Always great seeing you, Melissa. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Uh, this re-rating in the high multiple growthy mm. tech stocks in the public market, are we seeing that in the private markets too? Uh,
5: we're seeing and it's actually even uh, more more draconian in the private markets in that, you know, as people are looking at last year's IPOs is being on sale with everything being down and even tech leaders being on sale. Uh, a lot of the money that was going into the private markets from crossover funds or public funds has now left the public private markets and therefore um, multiples are down even more significantly in the illiquids.
2: Hey, Rick. um, It's Dan. How are you, man? So listen, you know, you've traded through lots of cycles in both public and private markets here. You know, looking at what's going on, though, in the public markets, are there some multiples for some of these kind of, you know, once really hot growth areas, whether they be SaaS or they be consumer Internet that you're kind of focused on in SaaS? Is there like a multiple of sales of some of these names that have just gotten absolutely obliterated down 40, 50, 60 percent that makes sense to you to start dipping your toe in the water in the public markets?
5: There's some. There's some that uh, are strategic, and you know, I, I think everyone saw Daniel Eck and Spotify today him in, in buying 50 million dollars of shares but that's a really strategic asset you know audio is becoming more strategic with the, uh, the incredible growth in podcasting and as other folks are, are very very focused on video streaming you know, obviously the names you know of disney and netflix and paramount uh you'd want to be able to put those two things together we've talked about it before it makes tremendous strategic sense that i think that's on sale and that could go for a very large premium as part of a transaction uh, the other things we've seen is you know some of the SaaS companies are kind of breaking into that you know well you know 2016 <laughs> 2017 um, sub nine times revenue um, multiple and you know you're seeing you know former darlings down 80 percent I think Shopify which has an incredible long term trend on it for more people buying things in e commerce and although. they're down compared to amazing comps during the pandemic i can only imagine seeing more and more cardboard boxes around the streets in new york and we think that's a phenomenal long-term trend that they should benefit for forever
1: Mm. um rick in terms of uh growth you know a lot of these companies came into being at a time when money was free basically and it was growth at all costs and now we have the you know a reversing environment and these companies just weren't built to withstand this environment let alone switch gears so quickly yes. because it really did change on the dime it, it feels like so i'm wondering when you take a look out at some of these companies that have collapsed in terms of market cap do we see a resurgence of these companies or for some of them or is it lights out do you think
5: i think some of it it's lights out some of it need to change leadership so oftentimes the leadership that got you there isn't going to be the leadership that gets you to the next stage and you're right there's a, there's tons of cases of the whiplash out there that this time last year, every almost every technology company's three top priorities were growth, growth, and growth. Now everyone's focused on profitability, unit economics, and, and path to capital efficiency. Obviously, Barry McCarthy's, you know, has his work cut out for him at Peloton and whether he could change, you know, a growth culture to a profitability focused culture and build a great asset there uh, in both the public and private markets. So you're seeing the, the best entrepreneurs and the best CEOs adjust to this market. And obviously, it's easier to adjust on a PowerPoint than it is to operationalize it. But, you know, that's with the, the talk of every board meeting, whether you're a public or private company in these days.
1: Rick, thanks for joining us. Always thank good to you. see you, Rick. Hyatt Always Smith. good seeing
5: everybody. Thank you,
1: uh, Karen. Let's let's talk about Peloton. When you hear a CEO say thinly capitalized, yes. it's never a good thing. And you made the point that they just recently did a capital raise, a pretty big one.
3: They did. Thank God they did that capital raise. They now I think it was in October, November, a few days after they said they don't need more money, they got I think about a billion too, which saved them. I mean, you know that that was brilliant as just, you know, announcing defeat and fine, I'm going to the capital markets. So that was a really good thing to do. Maybe that was Foley's finest hour. I'm not really sure. One of the metrics at Peloton that I found most interesting was that they did have a subscriber growth. But if you look at the number of rides or engagements per subscriber, it was down, I thought, a fair amount, which to me is a foreboding of more churn. As you use your bike less and less and it becomes more and more of, you know, the clothes hanger that we call it, um, that you're going to cut off your subscription. And they're planning on raising prices five bucks, which takes the yearly uh, bill to a little over $500. So um, there was nothing to like, except that, hey, we're open to capital infusions. And if you got somebody like a a Lulu or a Nike or, or Amazon, although they have a competing product, um, That would send the stock ripping higher. But other than that, uh, this was really not good at all. Coming up, we're
1: all over some after-hours movers. Shares of Coinbase and Roblox on the move. We're digging into the numbers next. Plus, speaking of earnings, Disney's on deck. But is there a better bet in this space? Get ready. We are giving the traders a would you rather, rather, rather. That's right, three of them. Don't go anywhere. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money Earnings Alert on Coinbase. Shares sinking after reporting first quarter revenues that missed analyst estimates, trading volumes, and monthly transaction um, transacting users, excuse me, also slipping versus last quarter. Kate Rooney is here
8: with the details. Kate. Hey, Melissa, Coinbase proving its volatility here from quarter to quarter with a big drop-off drop off there in monthly users, trading volume, and revenue as well. The crypto company losing $1.98 on EPS. Net revenue is down 50%. From last quarter and about 27% from a year ago. Monthly transacting users were down 19% quarter over quarter. Trading volume was down 43%. That was pretty much in line with a drop in spot volume. I just got off the phone with CFO Alicia Haas. She told me, we've always known that crypto is volatile and we're prepared to navigate through volatility with peaks and troughs. We have a long-term perspective, she says, and a decade now of managing through some of these volatile environments. She did talk about diversifying revenue. 54% of users are now doing something other than just trading. So that really is the bull case for Coinbase. The take rate also went up to 1.3%. That's pretty much the percentage that Coinbase makes on transactions. I asked her about that and the idea of fee compression. That was Jim Chanos' big reason for shorting the stock. She says we're not competing on price. We're competing on the experience at this time and so far not feeling pressured to lower prices. Call kicking off at 530 Eastern. Melissa, back to you. All right, Kate. Thank you, Kate Rooney. Um, Is this an example of growth at all costs?
4: Well, and not to do the dog pile on the rabbit, but I think this is the 10th largest holding in the ARK ETF. The one before it, I believe, (laughs) is Unity Software, which is down, I think, 38%. Uh, And again, it's just, you know, why do I bring it up? Because it's important to bring up. I mean, this stock, Coinbase, was a $365 stock in November. It's down 87%. Since then, they're not bad companies. I think Rick Heitzman just spoke exactly that. They just never been at the levels they traded at over the fall. And the market is now, for the first time, price discovery. Is this growth at all costs? Clearly, I don't know what, you know, experience of Coinbase is. Clearly, you know, I haven't experienced it probably for the better.
1: Yeah, I mean, to say that they're not, I mean, it's fine to say we're not going to compete on price. But ultimately, you're going to compete on price (laughs) and not just experience.
0: I, you know, think about their core verified user base of 98 million that came in ahead of expectations, but how obliterated a lot of these folks have been. Also, you, you can't tell me um, that there's going to be a quick growth turnaround. Even if you see a dramatic turnaround, I think there's been a lot of capital that's been obliterated. We've all heard the numbers on uh, you know where the average dollar allocated towards crypto uh, is, and it's down about 40 percent. And it's you know people that jumped in at the top. Sounds a little bit like ARK. Um, the most notable thing I see from the headlines after the earnings announcement is that the company filed a mixed shelf securities registration. So they are they are at least trying to be opportunistic and get uh, the ability to be coming back to market. And, and again, when you file a shelf, you don't necessarily have to run, uh, But but this is the story. This is the story we're gonna continue to talk about. Companies that are losing money, cannot sustain uh, the profile that they have. We just had that conversation with Rick. Uh, That's very important here. Uh, And again, having to go to capital markets when capital markets are very different is what I'm seeing in the after hours here.
1: Yeah, um, let's get to another one here. Also feeling the pain after hours, Roblox also out with earnings after the bell. The stock is sliding after reporting a bigger than expected loss per share in a revenue miss. Our Steve Kovac joins us with the very latest. Steve.
7: Hey there, Bell. Yeah, Roblox blaming lower engagement from players for those misses. Company reporting a loss per share of 27 cents versus 21 cent loss expected and revenue $631 million versus $645 million expected. But it's those user stats that have been demolishing shares all year. Roblox reporting for last quarter 54.1 million users versus Is 55 million expected? Now that's up 28%, but far slower growth than the 79% growth we saw a year ago. Chief Business Officer uh, Craig Donato telling me the company was able to hang on to all those players it gained during the pandemic, but those players are spending less time on the platform, and that translates to less money for the company. Donato is saying, quote, to us, you know, COVID was obviously an unfortunate circumstance, but pushed a ton of people onto Roblox, and the question is, are we retaining those users? And we're not only retaining them, we're growing them. Now we're expecting to hear more from the company tomorrow morning on their earnings call. But for now, that's what we know, Mel.
1: All right. Thank you, Steve. Steve call and do not miss an exclusive interview with the CEO of Roblox on Mad Money. That's tomorrow. He'll be digging into the company's quarter. Um, Let's trade this one right now, though. Uh, You know, pandemic, darling, when there was nothing to do, people spent lots of time in the old metaverse playing games and such, Dan. But now there's plenty of things to do. So they're still playing, but they're just not playing as much. That's a problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think some of the metrics that they pointed to, I think, are pretty good news, though. I mean, this stock Mm -hmm. is not down on a miss as much as you might expect. And one of the things that we've been talking about is the need to raise capital. We know from 20 years ago, you know, some of those companies were able to survive because the capital they did raise at good times. These guys have $3 billion of cash on their balance sheet, I think net about a billion and a half. Mm -hmm. So on an enterprise value, this thing is actually looking pretty reasonable. Um, Less than about five times sales here. We know a lot of these stocks were trading. 20-time sales at their heights just last year or so. So, you know, w- we spent a lot of time, and this is one that I've been trying to constructive about over the last six to nine months since we heard about the meta move, right, when we were talking about Facebook's pivot and what are some ways to play metaverses because there's not going to be one metaverse. This is one of them. So I think this is a fairly reasonably priced asset right here. And maybe some of the news is about as bad as it gets in the near term, especially after the client stock stocks.
1: Does this tell you, Karen, anything about I was going to say Facebook, Meta's move into the Meta. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just so far off well, that it doesn't matter what goes on right now because we have no idea what Facebook's going to come out with?
3: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, would you look at Facebook right now, trading at, I don't know, 12, 13 times earnings maybe, I, th- I think of that as zero in there um, for, for Meta. The Trade Desk thing was actually more concerning to me. Can I just add one thing, though? I yeah. think Coinbase is actually sort of getting interesting. Really? I mean, Why? it's a land grab. It's mm-hmm. a land grab. And if one believes that, you know, cryptocurrencies will exist, then uh, they're in an interesting spot. They're getting close now to probably, I don't know, $12 billion of market cap to capture all of those users. I don't know. This would be a three day rule one for sure. But um, I don't know. I think there might be something here. All right. Karen's watching
1: be some Coin. More work on it. Um, We are just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
2: Disney on deck. The house of mouse is gearing up for earnings, but is there a better play in the space? We're dishing out a would you rather, rather,
4: rather? Plus, biotech bang. The group's surging in today's session, but is there more room to run? The traders are breaking it down next. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times
2: Square.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. It's been a rough uh, year for media and entertainment stocks. Disney, Netflix, Paramount, and Comcast have all fallen 30 to 60-plus percent over the last year. And forward P.E.s are between 11 to 22 times earnings. So at Disney on Deck to report tomorrow, and all these names just down in the dumps, has there ever been a better time to play? Would you rather? Rather, rather. Which means I'd like you guys to choose one of those four options. Guy Adami, can you follow these? Can you understand what we're getting at? What we want you to do? Would you rather, rather, rather?
4: You no, know, you know, it's not, it's unfair it to start confused. with me because you know I get confused very easily. The other guys and gals can, can cheat off my answer. But I'll play your reindeer game there, sister, if you want. In this would you rather, 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 I will take Disney, you know, basically at this price, 108 ish I actually think you're probably getting Disney Plus for free, which is probably the right multiple, uh, given it's a bit of a loss leader. But at 18 times next year's numbers, when was the last time you saw Disney at this multiple? Hasn't been for a long time. This sort of 105 levels where it traded at sideways from 2015 to 19. I would rather Disney here. I don't think they have to do much to get this stock back higher.
1: Karen, what would you say?
3: Uh, On the would I rather, rather, rather? I would rather, and I'm talking my book here, Paramount. So, you know, when we look at streaming is the issue here and Paramount, if you look at the valuation, it actually trades at 10 times earnings, which is cheaper than Netflix. It's still growing, which, you know, it's very much up in the air whether Netflix is still growing. That would probably be my next rather, but Paramount, to me, I think, though, one other thing, though, the idea of it being a takeover target is probably not on the table right now. However, though, they are growing the streaming business. And the valuation, to me, which I always come back to, that's compelling. So Paramount. By the way, this is the first time in Fast Money
1: history that we are playing Would You Rather, Rather, Rather. Um, And we do have an animation for it, which is very special, Tim, uh, to mark this special occasion. Uh, But what, what would your choice be off that board?
0: Well, I'm gonna uh, because I think this is a new game. I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna play by my own rules, but I I almost feel like you're asking me for two picks. But I I'll go with guys Disney. But let me talk about all right. So let me talk about Comcast then. See see what I did there? Because I'm not gonna die on the Netflix hill, even though I am long that stock. Comcast. It's really simple. Broadband is growing. This is a cash flow machine. This is trading company trading at seven times EBITDA. This is a company that will generate probably 15 billion in free cash flow in this in 2022. So when I think about, yes, there's an, an intense competitive landscape, but when I think about the market we're in and companies that should be rewarded uh, and a company that I think is, is you know, able to also slug it out in the competitive forces if they need to, it's Comcast. It's a multiple I like. I would rather.
1: Comca- Comcast, by the way, is a parent company of CNBC, of course. Uh, Dan yes. Nathan, how about you?
2: You know what? I'll follow Tim up that hill on Netflix here, and I'm not exactly dying on it yet, but I'm really intrigued, and I know listening to Karen after their results a couple weeks ago, and that move lower here. And I know she had a quick in and out, um, but you know this is one I, I'll bet you she comes back to for valuation purposes, because this stock has never been this cheap. And I actually think the things that investors who had been in the name and wrote it down from $700 just six or seven months ago, down to at the time, it was like 300 bucks or something like that. They're really disappointed. They think they mis-execute, mis-executed here. And that would have been really over the last year and a half. I see the opportunity now, though, with the advertising business to really change this this company going forward for the next <laughs> phase of this streaming war here. So to me, I think it looks really interesting. And, and betting against Reed Hastings is probably, as Guy would say, not not a great investment strategy over the last 25 years. Or so.
8: yeah. All
1: right, let's stick with Disney here. The option traders believe the Magic Kingdom is primed for a comeback. So let's get straight to Mike Coe with the action. Mike.
6: Earnings coming up, unsurprisingly, we've got above average options volume. We traded about 1.4 times its average daily options volume today. Calls outpacing puts. Right now, the options market is implying a move of more than 9% by the end of the week after they report. The trade that caught my eye was the September 115 calls. Those were trading for about $7.70 a contract, and ultimately over 3,700 of them changed hands today. Buyers of those calls are obviously betting that Disney can finish above that 115 strike price by the $7.70 that they paid. And we have seen a little bit more of this type of activity. Hard beaten stocks are seeing people buying longer dated calls, hoping on a rebound.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Mike. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, big day for biotech. The XBI ETF jumping more than 5 percent. So is there more room to run for the trade? We'll break down the move next. Plus, we are digging into the commodity complex. Prices soaring this year. So is there any relief in sight? We're plowing in to find some answers. More on that when Fast Money returns.
4: Get your trades to go with the Fast Money podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after this.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our move of the day. Check out the XBI Biotech ETF jumping more than 5% today. Some big names leading the charge. Um, Guy, Amgen was your final trade yesterday. Here we are, pickup in biotech. What do you make of this?
4: Like an elephant you are in terms of that memory, Melissa Lee. Yes, it was. I thought it was good price action on a lousy tape. You look at the XBI, that 65 level that we recently bottomed out at, that was the same level we bounced from in December of 2018. I, too, am a bit of an elephant. So I think you can trade this. I think biotech's been unjustly beat up, um, and I think it's at levels now that make sense. So if you want to play with the ETF, the XBI makes sense. I think Amgen, in terms of valuation, is still too cheap.
1: Yeah, Tim, um would you get into biotech?
0: I'll tell you yeah, if you look at and I'll go with the IBB. And if you look at those top six or seven names outside of Moderna, um, you have some great balance sheets in there. The question really has been, where's the next growth coming from for some of these companies? Gilead certainly, although they're moving to oncology, uh, I think continues to play out. So um, I, I think Moderna is a stock that is range bound and in fact has dragged down the IBB dramatically. Um, but again, a high multiple stock that I think is a heavy weight um, is something you have to watch.
1: Yeah. Um, the, you know. IBB is market cap weighted, XBI has sort of more of the smaller players, Karen. In this environment, XBI might not be where you want to be versus the I- IBB, although both mm-hmm. are trading terribly.
3: Yeah, they really are trading terribly. I wonder, um, IBB, I think, was partially up today on that um, the acquisition. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Bellhaven did huge premium. But I think sometimes you see... An acquisition happened, and then you see a little more activity. Sort of, it's you know somebody rings the bell, and other CEOs. All right, now it's time to act. So I'm surprised we haven't seen more activity, given the balance sheets of the big players. That's where I would be. Is the IBB? All right, coming up, Musk sounding
1: off on Donald Trump's Twitter ban. What he said he would have done differently, and the timeline he laid out for the deal to get done. We got the details ahead. Plus, keeping up. With the crops, ag prices soaring this year, so we are breaking down what it means for the consumer. More on that next. Do not go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the incredible price spikes in some major ag commodities this year wheat, corn, cotton, soybeans, all surging and potentially making matters worse. Only 22 percent. of U.S. expected corn crop has been planted. That's less than half the normal amount. It is the slowest to a crop season since 2011. So, why are we so behind? Let's ask Kirk Hins, Chief Operating Officer of BAMWX, a weather technology company. Kirk, great to have you with us.
6: Yes, thank you guys so much.
1: Why are things so bad?
6: Yeah, that's a great question. So we're essentially in what we're calling a La Nina right now. And that just essentially means a very active northerly jet stream that's pushing in a lot of moisture to areas like North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, the northern part of the United States. And it's just frequent areas of low pressure. A lot of rainfall is essentially what has happened since February 1st. Most of those areas top five wettest of all time since February 1st. So consistent rain and just not not the ability to get into the fields for sure.
1: I take it that other parts of the world are not equipped to make up for any deficits here in the United States in terms of, of, of planting?
6: Yes, yeah, absolutely. So La Nina definitely means dry for a lot of other areas too. Alternatively, Central Brazil, very dry right now. We have Ukraine, very dry right now. A lot of areas also impacted throughout the, the world when we're talking about La Nina. So I would say definitely looking at a global scale, uh, things things could be better for sure.
1: So, you know, I know that you're a weather technology company, but how should we think about it in terms of the impact on price?
6: Yeah, great question. So essentially the longer it takes for farmers to get out into the field, especially in a lot of these major crop areas, that means it's going to take longer for, you know, the crop to grow essentially, and it's more susceptible. La Nina also can mean in the July and August drought, and it can also mean very warm conditions. So we may stay start off kind of very wet here. But in the long run, uh, that could actually be detrimental as we turn hotter and drier. So it's just everything is delayed and uh, it's, it's a trickle down effect for the rest of the season. How supply
1: constrained do you think will be for various crops? I mean, which crops will we see the biggest price spikes simply because yield won't be there?
6: Yeah, I, I think corn and soybeans for sure. And then I would be looking at wheat Um, I wouldn't sleep on the cotton market either. It's been exceptionally warm and dry across areas of Oklahoma into Texas here. Uh, To be honest, I would focus on corn and soybeans for sure, but don't sleep on the wheat and cotton cotton markets as well. I would say most grain.
1: You're a consumer, too, Kirk. So when you when you see this and you see your forecast, what are you thinking (laughs) in terms of what you're going to see in the grocery store?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Prices are going to increase, unfortunately, especially with this being a global moisture issue. I I can't imagine that prices are going to decrease because of this issue. So it it is a problem and it it does matter.
1: All right, Kirk, great to get your take. Thanks so
6: much. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
1: Kirk Hins. And then there's a fertilizer problem, Tim. There's lack of fertilizer. Fertilizer is very expensive. So farmers are not using as much, which means that yields will be even more challenged aside from weather issues.
0: Yeah. And don't sleep on the cotton market. So, I mean, I think you've got a case here where, as I always say, the best thing for higher prices and commodities is a supply response. What Kurt is pointing out is, structurally, it's going to be impossible. Um, And weather conditions are a factor on top of the rest of the perfect storm that was global supply disruption and constraints and whatnot. Um, I I do think if you look at uh, your basket of fertilizer companies, and that would probably be Mosaic, uh, IPI, and, and CF Industries, when you're looking at their realized uh, you know, net prices per ton, they're, they're, they're up somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% over a year. And it's a, it's a case where the profitability for these companies is very cyclical. Uh, but in the short run, especially if you look at the, at the space mosaics down, probably 25 to 30% off its recent highs. They just announced on Monday, I think they gave you a pretty decent guide. You had about five or six upgrades coming on in the market. So um, I think after a massive run, along with the underlying commodities, I, I think some of these names are interesting again.
1: A ceasefire in the uh, war between Russia and Ukraine and whatever the Fed does will not solve any of these problems <laughs> that are facing the farmers around the world, Karen. So how do you think about, you know, the stresses the consumer will feel? Because it sounds like the price increases will last well, be, well into next year, if not beyond.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, that is a problem. We're in sort of a vicious cycle. I mean, to Tim's point, even though, you know, these things are cyclical, but they're not necessarily one season cyclical, they could be cyclical for a couple of years. This obviously just adds to the inflation problem that the Fed has and I think we're going to see it through through to beef prices and you know, if corn and those things are expensive, then beef prices are get expensive as well. This is bad for restaurants, bad for the consumer. Guy, what's your trade out of this?
4: There are two. Kroger's wins to this. You saw Kroger's make an all-time high a couple months ago. It's sold off since, but KR's won. And I'll tell you, Deere & Company, the old John Deere, JP Morgan upgraded the stock to neutral from underweight in the middle of March, $440 price target. I'm willing to bet before earnings on May 20th, they upgraded again to buy from neutral. I think this stock is cheap on valuation. I know the argument is a lot of pull forward. I don't buy it yet. I think Deere goes higher.
1: Coming up, some headlines out of Elon Musk's Twitter deal, his take on former President Donald Trump's ban, and a timeline on when that deal could close. You have the details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of Upstart. Catch the full exclusive interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. That's must watch. Um, Don't forget, you can have Kramer delivered right to your inbox at the CNBC Investing Club. Sign up now at CNBC.com slash join the club or by using the QR code on your screen. All right. Meantime, more headlines out of Elon Musk's Twitter deal. Speaking at a Financial Times conference, Musk saying he would reverse the Twitter ban on former President Donald Trump and that it that it was not correct to ban him in the first place. Musk also saying that best case scenario, a deal for the social stock, could be done in two to three months. Stock doesn't really agree with Elon Musk, Karen.
3: No, it doesn't. I mean, as far as risk-carb spreads go, this is really, really wide, which I always find interesting considering he is the richest man in the world. But basically, Twitter right now is just a you know a Tesla play. If Tesla really falls out of bed, then this spread will get wider. He theoretically could close it in that amount, short amount of time if he doesn't get a CFIUS review or something like that. And I just saw crossing the tape Apollo looking to buy or looking to lead a billion dollar round of financing. So it should be doable. It really trades like he's kind of a joker. But I, I think the deal will go through. But I'm not long it as an R because you don't know the downside. It's not just a broken deal back to where it was. Does he then get out of his stock? That would be really bad.
1: It's interesting that Elon Musk is going out there, Dan, with all these things that he would do if he were CEO, as if the deal is going to close, including reversing that ban on Donald Trump, which he says Jack Dorsey does, in fact, agree with him on.
2: Yeah, I mean Jack seemed obviously very conflicted about all of this. They waited until people died in a violent insurrection in our capital, and um, you know, to ban him, and he had broken their terms of service or trust and safety on numerous occasions over the prior five years. So obviously, Jack didn't want to do it. I, I just don't. I don't get the whole. Um, you know, free speech sort of thing. I mean, when you think about it, this is a platform that's not even allowed in China. We know that's an authoritarian regime that Musk has actually cozied up to very, very closely as it relates to his interests with Tesla, the factories there. Uh, it's a huge market for them. So he seems a bit conflicted to me. And as far as his um, timetable about getting the deal closed. I I think one of the things that we could all agree on about Elon Musk, he's not pretty good or he's not that good with timetables um, as it relates to. So the longer this thing goes and the more risk to uh, Tesla stock to the downside to Karen's point, um, you know, this thing is not likely to happen. 5420 is not gonna make it people. I don't know why anybody would agree that he should pay seven times sales for this company with some of its much better comps, like a snap or something, is trading below that. The longer that 5420 bid sits out there and the lower a complex snap goes, I think the more interesting a pairs trade looks, long snap, short Twitter. We know what the upside risk is, but we also know that the likelihood of this thing being ratcheted down is probably going to happen and come into a theory.
1: We've got like no more daylight left in the show, but I, I, have, to, I have to push back a little bit, Dan, in that, you know, is that fair to say He's cozying up to china for tesla and 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 that's you know sort of contradictory we've got a lot of u.s companies that are uh, you know big presences in china that are Apple depending on china it. for the yeah. next leg of growth and and they say that they believe in free speech and human rights right, and all these different things
2: But he's going out of his way to buy this asset, Mel, uh, because he's using the case of free speech. And when he first came out, he said he doesn't really care about the economics of it. So he's a free speech warrior. Um, You know, I mean, listen, I just think there's a lot of conflict there. All
1: right. This is a debate for another show, clearly. Um, Up next, we got your final trades. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out some of these after-hours movers. They are big moves in some cases. EA is up by 2.6%. Resorts is flat. Um, And Unity Software, that is a big one. It is down by 26.5%. Reminder that Kramer is going to be speaking with the CEO of Unity tonight on Mad Money, so you will not want to miss that one. Time for the final trade here. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour.
0: Back to my would you rather rather Comcast cable financials are strong. The business services are growing. It's 10 times free cash flow. Interesting.
3: Karen Feinerman. Yeah, I'm looking for places place to hide in this market. CVS is one of them. Retail pharmacy benefits and health care. So 11 times earnings, two and a quarter dividend value. Dan Nathan.
2: Mel, you seem mad. Um, but not? Roblox here. <laughs> Roblox looks kind of interesting. It fell off a cliff into this print, and I don't think the quarter of the guys was that bad. So, or at least the quarter. We don't know who the guys yet. So maybe it's a bounce.
1: I'm never mad.
4: Kind of a uh, guy. <laughs> I'm mad because the Rangers didn't show up last <laughs> night, Mel. As I know. you know, we talked about it earlier. But I know it's it's crazy. Uh, a mat into earnings late next week. That 34% sell off is enough. All right, thanks for watching Fast.
1: Stay back here tomorrow at 5 for more
4: Fast Mad Money with Jim
1: Kramer. Starts right now.
2: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will.